and why did Adrian have to die? Diana Zamora was born on January 21st in 1978. She was the oldest child of an electrician and a nurse. Her parents and family were extremely religious. Diana attended Crowley High School where she belonged to several clubs. After graduation, she planned to attend the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. According to many people around her in her high school days, she was devoted to her studies. Now, she wasn't very popular or very well known. She really just kept to herself. Diana was extremely careful with who she made any sort of relationship with. And I don't mean this in just a romantic way, I mean friendships as well. She was very weary of those around her because her main focus and priority was her future. She had goals. She had it all planned out in her head and she was doing it step by step. With the exception of David, Diana claimed that most high school boys were immature. And we can all agree, she's not wrong. So who's David? David Graham was the youngest of four children. He's described by many in his life as being the perfect Texas gentleman. He always said yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. He was extremely well-mannered and kind when he addressed people. Both of his parents were former teachers, which allowed him to excel at his academics. And boy, did he. He was an exceptional student at Mansfield High School, even ran for the track team and he was a battalion commander in his high school's junior ROTC program. So much like Diana, his focus was his studies. It seemed as though he was destined for the military. Many claim that with his business-like demeanor and his high-cropped hairstyle, it was fate. He would be in the service. But things don't always go as planned. Let's meet AJ. Nicknamed AJ by her family, Adrian was a popular sophomore at David's school. According to many around her, Adrian studied hard in school. However, unlike Diana, she was a high school socialite. Many around her claimed that she had such a great spirit. She was happy and outgoing, almost always seen with a smile on her face. One teacher even told a local newspaper that she could have envisioned Adrian on the school's cheerleading squad. She was just that kind of girl. According to many reports, Adrian would spend hours putting on makeup and trying on different outfits all before she would head out to school events. And side note, her mother would call her bubble butt. And uh, this is because, okay, this is gonna make me very uncomfortable. This is because of the sexy way her rear end moved when she walked, according to her mother. <sighs> I don't even want to touch that. Nope, let's continue. Now, many people did claim that Adrian was a really big flirt, which for the record is not a bad thing. If you're a flirt, be a flirt, but also make sure you tell people that you don't have intentions of, you know, anything. But hey, have fun. Adrian's parents had strict rules that she had to adhere to. They did not allow her to talk on the phone after 10 o'clock at night. It was even claimed that if Adrian went out with friends to the movies, she had to give her father a ticket stub as evidence. Her parents were very worried about her. They said that because of her personality, the way she dressed and how she looked, they were afraid that something would happen. Shortly before Adrian was brutally murdered, her parents started allowing her to stay out until nine o'clock on weekends. Although her parents were strict, she wasn't a problem child. She wasn't doing drugs, she wasn't sleeping around, she wasn't going out and partying. They weren't worried about her behavior. They were trying to protect her. And sadly, they would not be able to. She walked down the hallway and she came back and I said, you get that phone put down and you get to bed, little girl. And, and then after that, I went to bed. And she'd said it was David from Cross Country and he's upset. 
Adrian and Diana probably encountered one another at an early autumn event in 1995. The two high school girls were from neighboring small town schools, and they were now competing in a two mile run. There's no evidence that the two even spoke hello to one another at this event. And why would they have? It's doubtful that at this time, the two even knew the other's name. There was no reason for the two to believe they had anything else in common besides cross country. However, Adrian and Diana did have something in common. The boy they were seeing. Hold on, let me back up a little bit. David Graham was described as the perfect guy and a brilliant student. He made straight A's and said yes sir and yes ma'am when addressing adults. However, he was currently dating Diana. Diana was referred to as the disciplined one by her mother. Every morning, she would get up extra early and study for school before 6 a.m. She was devoted to her studies and her future. She had it all planned out, and David was a big part of this. The two would only be with each other, leaving their bedroom life, I guess you could say, unblemished forever. They would attend military schools and join the service, just live the perfect life. But you see, there were other things happening that Diana had no idea of. Just because David had chose to be with Diana doesn't mean Adrian was out of the picture. David found Adrian to be beautiful. Unlike Diana, Adrian did tend to her looks a lot more. I'm not by any means saying that either girl was prettier than the other, so please, no one come for me. Basically, the difference in between the girls, according to David, was that Adrian did her makeup. She had blonde hair. She was kind of this preppy girl, very high-spirited and <laughs> happy. Though Diana was just as beautiful, she was a different side. She didn't wear makeup and color her hair. She wasn't all giddy and happy and full of spirit. She didn't really enjoy the moment. She worked for the future. So David found both of them to be appealing in their own way. However, he was with Diana. So by no means does me breaking it down make it okay. David began to hang out with Adrian more and more. And this would be the beginning of the end. Although the two girls did not interact that day, one of them would soon be dead. Justin knocked on my door and said, well, mom, where's Adrian? I said, what do you mean? She's at school. She says, well, her stuff's still here. And so I, that was around seven. So I went and checked and her things were still there. And I said, what's going on? This brings us to the early morning hours of December 3rd in 1995. A farmer was driving along a desolate country road when he saw the body of a young girl. At first, he believed that he was looking at roadkill. He believed it was roadkill because the girl's face was unrecognizable. He was not positive that what he was seeing was a human body. According to the authorities, one bullet hole was in her left cheek and another in her forehead. She had been hit so hard on the left side of her head that part of her skull had caved in. To quote someone at the scene, it looked like a pumpkin had been smashed. She was wearing flannel shorts and a gray t-shirt that read UIL Region 1 Cross Country Regionals 1995. Sound familiar? Within hours of the discovery of the body, police officers identified her as Adrian Jones, a 16-year-old high school sophomore from the town of Mansfield, home to an old indoor rodeo arena and some very cheery antique stores along Main Street. Mansfield was one of the last places in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that felt like a small town. In 1984, looking for a safe place to raise his family, Bill Jones moved his wife Linda and three small children, Adrian and two younger brothers, to Mansfield. He left the bustle of the Dallas area to a safer space. He found a beautiful home in a modest neighborhood where the homes were clustered together. 
Bill kept a tight rein on his children, especially Adrian. To quote him, I truly felt that if we had some rules that kept her away from teenage temptations, we'd be okay. It was only in the autumn of 1995 that he had begun to allow Adrian to stay out just past nine o'clock on the weekends. He stated that if she said she was going to the movies or even over to Six Flags in the nearby Arlington area, she would have to produce some form of ticket stub. This way he would believe what his daughter had been doing. He had even gone into her room and nailed her bedroom window shut. He did this because he stated he did not want her to sneak out at night. I mean, I feel like he could have just gotten, I don't know, an alarm system. But hey, I mean, this is cheaper. Now I wanna state that Adrian wasn't considered a rebel. She didn't do bad things. She took advanced honors courses, she studied at least two hours a night, and was a very, very gifted athlete. She also had a job where she managed to work 20 hours a week at the Golden Fried Chicken. This was a local fast food restaurant in her town. The manager, Tina Dollar, even referred to her as the superstar employee. Adrienne actually enjoyed her job very much. She even drew a little smiley face on her work visor. Adrian did thrive on the attention that she would receive, especially when it came to the boys around town. One of Tracy's best friends, Tracy Bumpus, called her a big flirt, stated that she was excessively chatty and would talk to just about any boy. Adrian always wanted to look her best and put her best foot forward. When her mother asked her why she cared so much about her looks, Adrian said, you never know who you're gonna meet, and she always wanted to be prepared. There were many high school boys that wanted a chance with Adrian. Boys would just drive by, walk by, skate by in front of her house in the hopes that she would notice them. She was extremely popular. Boys wanted her and girls wanted to be her. Now a few of these boys would pull up to the house and into the driveway and try to talk to Adrian. However, though oftentimes when a victim is popular, this can help in a case. It would be Adrian's popularity that was going to make the investigation into her murder so much more difficult. You see, adults that are murdered rarely have more than a couple dozen people close to them. But high school students, they cross paths with hundreds of other students every day. And then if they're involved with sports or any sort of team, that's another several hundred more. Now, just because of this, that doesn't mean that they weren't able to narrow down who it may be. It quickly became clear that Adrian knew her killer, or killers. There was no sign at the crime scene that she had struggled. There were no marks on her hands or her legs. It didn't seem as though she had been restrained and held down. Nor was there any indication that someone had broken into her house or had gone through her window to abduct her. Also to add, an autopsy found that Adrian had no evidence of being sexually assaulted, meaning this was not a sexually motivated crime. To authorities, it seemed as though Adrian's death was an execution, and to quote, the result of some major fury. I mean, here she is, this beautiful young girl, and she's found in this really wackety place that I didn't know where land, and she's been shot in the face and bludgeoned in the back of her head. And you don't know why. What did this young 16-year-old little girl know or do? It caused you to hate her that much. Adrian and David actually met because the two were teammates on the track team. Although the two became friends pretty fast, teammates said that they didn't believe the two were more than acquaintances at the time. It didn't seem as though the two would mix, according to the teammates. 
David, who seemed to be bound for military, and Adrian, who was very popular, didn't really go in the same circles. Adrian didn't even seem to have David's phone number saved anywhere. And for those of you that are like, okay, so think about it. In the 90s, we didn't have cell phones where we could have a phone book just boom, accessible. You had your friend's phone numbers written down. She didn't seem to have his. So it didn't really seem as though the two were close, but boy, oh boy, were they. However, during a track meet in Lubbock in the first weekend of November in 1995, David and Adrian became more than just acquaintances. No one knows if they stayed up late that night just talking during the trip or if they did more. However, when the track team returned to Mansfield on November 4th, hey look, that's the day before my birthday, Adrian allegedly asked David to drive her home. But they did not go directly to her house. During the ride, David parked behind an elementary school. David stated in his confession that he parked behind the school at Adrian's request. And this is where he and Adrian had sex. So even though there were rumors that they had had sex the night before, that's not true. This was the moment that they became sexual. These rumors, however, were perpetuated by David. He had somehow told somebody that got back to Diana that he had had some sort of sexual encounter with somebody before he did, which made his girlfriend obviously very angry. But then he does have sex with somebody. Yeah, it's like super twisted and kind of hard to explain. Nonetheless, it's an extremely toxic situation. And for anyone who's been in anything toxic, oh God, oh, you see, this is gonna get dark, right? It gets worse, let's go. According to a lot of people around Diana, she was extremely possessive and had a obsessive personality. And who was the object of her obsession? David. She was so possessive and jealous that she made him quit jobs. She did this because she said they were getting in the way of their relationship. What the fuck? Yeah, listen, um, I understand that you wanna do good things for yourself, but <laughs> could you care about me? Fuck your future. <laughs> I need your attention. <sighs> Have I ever said that I just don't like people? Because exhibit A. She actually made David pledge that he lived solely for her. Legitimately made him say that he lived to please her, to love her, to cherish her, to spend the rest of his life devoted to solely her. Which, okay, yeah, we all want somebody that's just gonna love us forever. Okay, I get that. But like, she was a little scary about it. Okay, when I was reading about her obsession and the way she like kind of controlled David, all I could think of was Family Guy. When Mig gives Brian pie, here, you know what? I'm just gonna play you some audio. Hey, Brian. Oh, Meg, hey. Hey, listen, I hope you're feeling all right about our little talk the other day. You know, about us being just friends and all. Oh, yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And hey, look, I, I wanted to thank you for being so great to me. So I baked your pie. Oh, wow. Hey, that looks delicious. Mm, oh, this is good. What's in there? Well, there's some apples and some cinnamon and my hair. What? My hair is in the pie, Brian. And now it's inside of you. Part of me is inside of you, Brian. Do you feel me, Brian? Do you feel me inside of you? Tell me that that's not like the same thing. And if you think I'm exaggerating, her family even publicly said that she was completely in love and obsessed with David. That she could 
barely even talk about anything without putting it back to him. She was enamored with David, and she wanted nothing and no one to get in the way of her and him being together for the rest of their life. She would go around telling friends and anyone who would listen, because seriously, she couldn't talk about anything else but him. She would say that her and David had a pure love, something that was not ordinary. They were just meant to be. Yeah, okay, but the truth is, it was toxic as fuck. I'm sorry, wait, <clears throat> it was toxic AF, as, as the kids would say. And my husband totally believed they would never, ever, ever find the killers, let alone go to trial. And I said, you, you know, they're gonna find them. And then our prayer came true. They bragged. David and Diana began dating in August of 1995, and only about a month later, they announced that they were engaged. Totally normal, right? Nothing to see here. So obviously, off to a great start, David and Diana planned to marry each other in the year 2000. So good, good, at least they're gonna wait five years. I mean, still not a good idea, but anyways. Now they weren't waiting because they were like, let's see if we can make it through these five years because we're young and uh, we still got to grow up a little bit. Nope, they were waiting because they just wanted to get through school. Now there were some people around them that were actually very happy about this announcement. They thought that the pair were made for each other, but then there were others that didn't see it as good news. Many people believe that the two had an unhealthy obsession with one another. Yeah may not have just been Diana who was obsessed with David. He seemed to be quite enamored with her. They did seem to really have some sort of unhealthy back and forth nature. They made each other jealous, but yet they were obsessed with the other. Real toxic high school stuff. But for most people, when dealing with high school drama, it doesn't really turn to murder. But this would pan out to be a lot darker than you'd expect. David began to feel guilty. He couldn't handle the fact that he had cheated on Diana and that he hadn't said anything. So he decides to tell her. He shared with her that he had this one-time fling with Adrian. According to David, she was enraged the moment she heard those words. She said that he had betrayed her and their love and their future. He had deceived her in what they were building. And he had forgotten about her. Forgotten about her in the sense that he had devoted himself to her. But for one moment, he had forgotten about that. Yeah, okay, seriously, she was obsessed, guys. I'm not saying it's okay that he cheated. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that she's scary, okay? She's like scary, scary. H5 clinger, alert, alert. David also said that they agreed to be married. Yes, in the future, it would happen. But Diana wanted them to act and be as though they were. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. See? See what I'm saying? Tell me she's also giving you these vibes. Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy, you're amazing. Oh God, I think you're amazing. Oh my God, don't ever leave me. Never. Good, because I find you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, am I right or am I right? David went on to say that when they did agree to be married, this is when Diana decided they could start having sex because they were gonna marry each other and they promised to only be with one another, thus allowing her to feel safe giving her virginity to him because he would be the only one to ever have sex with her and she with him. But that's not what happened. As we've just discovered, and she did too, David was unfaithful, tarnishing 
their forever marital bed, or as she saw it that way. But hey, 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 all hope is not lost for David and Diana's relationship. No, Diana had a plan, a plan on how they could purify their love bring it back to just them. What was this genius plan? David had to prove his love to Diana and he would do this by atoning for his moment of weakness. All he had to do was kill Adrian Jones. She felt like she had been scorned that he had had a sexual relationship of some kind with another woman. And she had this tough mentality of I'm going to get even. Let's go back to December 3rd of 1995. This was the day that David would prove his love. Around 10.30 that night, David called Adrian and arranged a date. David asked if he could meet up with her that night. Unknowingly to her parents, she managed to sneak out of the house later. David picked her up just outside her home. David then drove the two to a long deserted road near Grand Prairie, Texas. I'm not sure what was discussed during this, I have no idea what happened in the car ride. However, I do know that David's girlfriend was also in the car. Yeah, she was hiding in the hatchback. According to reports, the original plan was that she would come up behind them. She would sneak up on Adrian and snap her neck. Then David would help her dump the body in a nearby lake. They also planned to keep her body hidden by tying weights to her. This way, she would sink to the bottom of the lake, thus making it harder for her to be found. However, just like I've said earlier in this case, that's not how the plan goes. You see, when she snuck up on Adrian, instantly a minor struggle broke out. David then stepped in and tried to snap Adrian's neck. He did this, however, by the motion you often see in movies. But as many of you may know, this is incorrect, and it was proven to be ineffective. I'm sure it still hurt her, but it did not instantly kill her. Diana then hit Adrian over the head with a weight, but Adrian somehow still managed to get out of David's car and begin running away. According to David's confession, Diana told David that he could not let Adrian get away. If he did, it meant that he didn't love her. I'm telling you guys, she's scary. David then took his gun, tracked down Adrian into a field and shot her twice in the head. The first shot to her was only a few feet away. The second shot, however, was at point blank range, right in between her eyes. When David returned to the car, he exchanged I love yous with the girl of his dreams. Or what I would say, of nightmares. The, the girl of nightmares for sure. This is when it's claimed that Diana said, we shouldn't have done that, David. Oh, okay. <laughs> now you say something. This is when they stripped down and got rid of their bloody clothes, then proceeded to head home like nothing happened. Adrian's body would be discovered the next morning. Yeah, well, my boyfriend's going to Boston University. Oh, that's a good school. Yeah, yeah. He swore he wouldn't date anybody else, but I kind of think he will. Oh, he may feel guilty about it, but he'll go out, I'm sure. Why do men find it so difficult to be faithful? David won't be cheating on me. How oh, sure. Why not? Because he said so? No. Because we have a secret that we have to take to the grave. Come on. I can't think of anything that's bad enough to make a man keep his hands to himself once he's had a couple of beers. There's this one. Oh, what is it? What happened? Yeah, what did he do? Yeah, what'd you do, kill for each other? <laughs> yes. 
As the investigation began, detectives did conduct a preliminary interview with David, but they were certain he was not involved. They didn't even offer to give him a polygraph test. He was this bright young man with a very promising future. No way would he risk that with murder. And again, it didn't seem as though the two even knew each other that well. Remember, David's name was not among any of the people listed in Adrian's personal phone book, and all of her friends were there. Nor did any of Adrian's friends even mention his name. In fact, Adrian's best friend, Tracy, stated that Adrian told her all of her deepest, darkest secrets, and David was not one of them. David was also seen with tears in his eyes at the memorial service coming across just as stunned as everybody else that somebody could do such a thing to Adrian. Not a lot of the students at the high school could see themselves as good friends with David. Everyone sort of knew him, but no one really knew him. You know what I mean? David was the youngest of four children. He lived with his father as his parents ended up becoming divorced. At the age of seven, David told his father that he wanted to become an Air Force pilot. And from that day, he never wavered from his dream. I mean, until the murder, of course. But other than that, David had such a promising future that Congressman Martin Frost had agreed to support his application to enroll into the next fall in the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. I think this is kind of a big deal in this situation, but I'm not positive. I don't know if you need something like that or if that's like a, whoa, that's pretty badass moment. I don't know, which is sad because I come from a military family. Now, David may have seemed as though he was absolutely tailor-made to go into the military. Students claim that he still never came across as any of those overly aggressive G.I. Joe type of guys. It was his demeanor that made it come across as though he was destined to join the service. David had once been on the football team, but he quit in his freshman year. He said he just didn't have the spirit to make it through Texas high school football. It wasn't his thing. Plenty of girls at his school wanted to date him, and many of them had no idea that he already had a girlfriend. In fact, several of the girls recalled him as being one of the last, quote, cool guys on earth. But as mentioned, he was seeing somebody. Everybody knew that they had a great future laying ahead of them. They seemed to really be destined to succeed, together and in life. So police didn't really look twice at David. But that doesn't mean they wouldn't circle back to him. They just had to do a lap or two and accuse some others. She told me that she had, she had told her roommate stuff. She, she had given him several different versions. And, but when the police came, she said she denied everything. So I thought, well, if the police come and talk to me, I'll just tell them I don't know anything about it. David and Diane first met four years before Adrian's murder. This is when both of their parents began taking them to a small airfield just south of Fort Worth. They both went for weekly meetings of the Civil Air Patrol. This is a Air Force auxiliary organization that teaches the basics of the military life. It also leads search and rescue missions for downed aircrafts. However, for quite some time, there was no romance between the two. Diane was very careful with her relationships, especially around guys. She did have another boyfriend during her sophomore year in high school, but the relationship didn't last. Diane even told people she wanted to focus more on her studies and her goals than she did on guys. When two of her cousins got pregnant in high school, Diane went on and said she couldn't believe how, quote, stupid they were. 
She swore that nothing like that would ever happen to her because she was going to save herself for marriage. Now let's talk about the fact that she was saving herself. Not long after they announced that they were engaged, mind you, only a month after they started dating, while in high school, she confirmed and told her family that she had lost her virginity to David. This seemed to dramatically impact her life. She told somebody that after it was over, she felt confused about what exactly had happened. She even went on to tell them that she felt guilty because she did want to wait. But once she went through with it, she became more committed to David than ever. She also stated that if I can't be Mrs. David Graham, then I will die Miss Diane Zamora. What the f Indeed, it did seem as though the pair were hopelessly and maybe dangerously in love. They even developed their own secret love code. She called him Tiger because it was the mascot of his school, not positive though why she chose it exactly, but you know, that's the correlation. And he called her Kittens. I'm not exactly sure why. They also ended a lot of their telephone conversations with the words greenish brown female sheep. Greenish brown means the color olive. A female sheep is a you. Hence, olive you, AKA, I love you. Oh, it's so cute. I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of cute, but this is not a cute couple. This is like the Bonnie and Clyde of love triangles forming. Diane's family could not help but wonder about the relationship as it was beginning to progress and become extremely serious. David and Diane seemed to be so absorbed in one another's lives. To quote, so obsessed. One night when they were apart, David didn't call and Diana tearfully begged her mother to call his house to see if something terrible had happened to him. David was no different though, it wasn't just her obsessed with him. He would come over almost every afternoon to run with her. Even some nights he would stay so late at her house that he ended up falling asleep on the couch. His father would call and demand that he come home. But David would just stay for hours longer wanting to spend time with his girlfriend. Whenever Diane would be busy with school functions at night, David would phone every hour until she got back. This brings us to spring. The couple learned that within days of each other, they had both been accepted to their academies, David to the Air Force and Diane to the Navy. They both attended their very own special ceremonies at their respective high schools. This is where they were presented with their academy acceptance letters. During David's at Mansfield, students stood and gave a long-standing ovation to David, who standing at his side was Diane. Now let's go to summer of 1996. After nearly 300 interviews, detectives put the case on what they called slowdown mode. Bill and Linda Jones sank deeper and deeper into despair. They had no idea what happened to their daughter. Why were they no closer to finding answers? Bill would even have to restrain himself to keep from interrogating every single teenager he saw around town. Linda would get in her car at night and drive to the road where Adrian was found hoping that maybe, just maybe, she might stumble across the killer. Because sometimes killers do go back to where their bodies were dumped, some sick form of remembrance. And she was hoping she'd catch him. But Adrian's killer, or should I say killers, would not be making any sort of appearance. He said, look, look what you made me do. Did you make him do that, Diane? <laughs> No, I've been asked him to let me meet her. He 
Did you ever ask him to kill Adrian Jones for you? No. There was no emotion in her crying, and it came across as if she had been coached by her attorneys or by somebody that when they start asking you these questions, you need to start crying. This brings us to September of 1996, when both David and Diane were arrested for the murder of Adrian Jones. It was decided that the pair would be tried separately. These kids with a once bright, promising future, a pledge to be with each other for the rest of their lives, turned on each other very quickly, with both claiming that the murder and killing was the other's idea. However, neither defense ended up working out. Both of them were found guilty and given life sentences. They will not be eligible for parole until 2036, which is still too early because Adrian is dead. She will never again enjoy life, and there's a chance that these two may. We, the jury, find the defendant Diane Michelle Zamora guilty of the offense of capital murder as alleged in the indictment. Signed, Monty Winsett. After her sentencing was completed, Diane was transferred from a jail in Fort Worth, Texas to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. She was initially held in a state prison diagnostic unit in Gatesville, Texas. This was until February of 1998. She then was held at the Murray Unit. At one point, she was even held in protective custody at Mountain View Unit in Gatesville. She was ultimately moved to the general prison population in the William P. Hobby Unit near Marlin. And wouldn't you know, in 2003, she found love again. She married another inmate from the Texas penitentiary named Stephen Mora. But much like her and David's love story, this one would not have a happy ending either. The couple would divorce in 2010. And in 2018, Diana asked the court to allow her to return to the Mountain View unit. Diane stated that the high-profile nature of her case requires her to be kept out of general population at the hobby unit. She also became very close to another inmate at the Mountain View unit. This inmate was none other than Yolanda Saldivar. If that name didn't ring a bell, I'll tell you who she is. She is responsible for the brutal murder of Selena in 1995. Diane and Yolanda had become fast friends. A federal appeals court recently rejected Diane's appeals. However, she is back in protective custody in Mountain View today, so it looks as though she got her wish to transfer. In her first interview in nearly a decade, convicted killer Diane Zamora is finally sharing what she says is the real story of what happened the night she and her boyfriend, David Graham, killed 16-year-old Adrian Jones. At this point, you've spent more time behind bars than you have in the outside world. What is that like for you? It's strange. Um, it's something, you know, um, I talk about a lot with a lot of people because um, I was I was so young. I I had no experiences out there. David was held at the Ellis unit near Huntsville after the trial. And in 2008, he said that his confession to the police was correct and expressed remorse for killing Adrian. He also went on to say that if he had to do it over again, he would have pled guilty to murder. In 2016, David was moved to the Darrington unit near Rosheron. Rosheron? Rosheron. It's official. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Also, fun fact, David Graham has a blog. Originally, he started it to debate issues within the prison system. He also mentioned and talks about the murder of Adrian. 
He also shared in this blog that he was recently married. So it looks like they're both thriving. He got married and she's hanging out with her idol. And that was the case of the deadly love triangle. Did you ever ask David to kill her? No, but I did wish her dead at one point and I think that it went from there. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode about a very dark and twisted love triangle. It was apparent from the beginning that David and Diane had an obsession with one another, an obsession that would sadly lead to the murder of Adrian Jones. I want you to think back to your first love. Could you have killed for it? Not I, but maybe you're different. Who knows? Anyways, it's time for us to say goodbye. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and week. I can't wait to talk to you in the next episode of What the Actual F and tell you all about another dark and grim case that I have found from around our world. Another tale that will leave you wondering what the actual left did I just listen to. So, I love you, stay safe, and until next time, bye!